and because of the because of the time, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in. Is that all right with y'all? And jump right in while while we're receiving the offering. I want to talk to you about finding Jesus this morning. Um, and I have text from John one, and from you won't be surprised from other places as well. But I. You know, every once in a while, you'll meet somebody who suddenly, after years of knowing about Jesus, has found him. I was one of those that was, you know, I grew up going to church, and, and, and uh, even when we slipped off from regular church attendance, I was going to church on holy days. But every once in a while, somebody like that will actually meet Jesus. <laughs> right? Actually meet Jesus. And uh, so I want to talk to you about finding Jesus because it's, a, it's actually a huge subject in the Bible itself. Because the, the whole of the Bible story, and I told you that I'm going to do what I do with covenant and with kingdom and with the Holy Spirit in this, in this our 20th anniversary year. And so this morning, we're going to do it this way. We're going, to, we're going to look at the issue of finding Jesus. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found him. Um, I'm always amazed at the way we express the good news of the gospel. And we have some, we have some shorthand ways that we, we talk about it. We talk about people, we say to people all the time, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? But I want you to know something. I never found that statement in the Bible. <laughs> or we'll say, uh, we'll tell people to ask, have you asked Jesus into your heart? We'll especially say that with children. But I never found that in the Bible. Or we, will, or we will have somebody pray the sinner's prayer. I'm still looking for it in the Bible. <laughs> right? But listen, they were like, we have found him. And the idea was, we've been looking for him. Not only had they been looking for him, what he was saying was, we have found him of whom Moses spoke. We've been looking a long time. Of whom the prophets spoke. We've been searching everywhere. We have been on the search, on the hunt. We're after him. And here these guys says, we found him. We have found him. And then there's like, let's, let's go meet him. Jesus from Nazareth, son of Joseph. All of a sudden, his resume immediately did not recommend him. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. No, that's not, that's not on the docket. But we have found him. Now, good news always has to have a context. And everyone in here uh, has context working in your life. And so, listen, there are different ones of you that if you walked up to me and you said I had good news, I would know how to finish the sentence before you told me. Oh, you're getting married. You have good news. Oh, you're having a baby. You have good news. Oh, you got that job you applied for. You have, because I know the story. I know the backstory. I know something of what's going on. Good news always has a context. 
This was good news like on the big screen. This is good news for a nation. This is good news for a people. This is good news for, for a, a, a tribe of folks that are, have been searching for good news for a very long time. We have found him. And we come to this, and I want you to know something. I don't really have a big problem with any of those first three statements. I don't have a problem with them, but I always find it interesting when the way we help people experience Jesus is using extra biblical means. And listen, we who are in Holy Ghost churches, oh, we've got some extra biblical means ourselves. And what happens is you enter inside a culture and you sort of get the story. And so there's lots of people say, well, we know you know about Jesus, but do you have a personal relationship to him? Well, as I was thinking on that subject, I was like, relationship? Oh, you better believe I do. But it's much more than that. You see, it might be said of everybody in here that on some level or another, some degree... I have a relationship with you. And it gets more personal with, with different ones. But there's only one person that, that, that comes here that I have a union with. Everybody else is in the friend group and in the circles, but only one that I have a union with. And with Christ, the Bible has much more to say about our union with him than something like a personal relationship, which is wonderful. But the Bible says you are united with him. The Bible says his life merges into your life. The Bible says you're the temple of his habitation. The Bible says that you are one with him as he is one with the Father. And it's staggering stuff. Are you kidding me? A relationship? Oh, much more. Now, what does this union with Christ do? Because this is the good news. I have good news for everybody that's within the sound of my voice. Good news. In Jesus' name, our sins are forgiven. The, the whole narrative of everything that happened back to the days of Adam, it's resolved in Jesus. Are you kidding me? So when people come to me and they say, well, I'm struggling with evil in the world, I'll say, I don't have an answer to the evil of the world. I have a solution to the evil of the world. The God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, that is to forgive those who were under the law. And then also to the Gentile family to bring forgiveness to them also. Good news. God's covenant is that he's making his family with all the families of the human race, wherein he is saying, I want to forgive your sins. And we receive what we call eternal life, what the book of Hebrews calls the power of an endless life. Eternal life, that, that business which says we don't have to be afraid of death. That business which says that witness that you have inside yourself that there's more to being human than is expired when your breath is gone. That there's more. Oh, it's absolutely true. And he gives, you, he gives you the power of an endless life. And how does he do it? By allowing us to receive Holy Spirit. That's the new covenant. That's the gospel. That's what they meant when they said, we have found him. We have found the one who will do all of these things. Well, how did they find him? Like, that's worth asking, right? 
How'd they do that? In the Gospel of John, John the Baptist was, pre- was preaching and baptizing. And they wanted to know who he was and why was he baptizing. And he gave them an explanation. And so when you see in the next day, it means after that. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then you got to, boy, you entered the language of this text. This is he of whom I said, after me, there comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. You guys do know that he was talking about his relative, right? His blood relative. And then he says, I myself did not know him. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water if you want to know what the baptizing is about, that he might be revealed to Israel. So what happens in that passage that we read first, which comes, by the way, after this passage, they couldn't find him until John reveals him. Okay? Now, John couldn't reveal him Until the father revealed him to John. And there's nothing harder to find than somebody that's right in front of you. (laughs) That's what you might say, Mr. Dragswolf, happened today. That's what might say happened two years ago when you were brought onto the team. You were found in plain sight. And this day was foreseen, although not fully. And it took away a bit. But this is what we have. Did John know him? Of course he knew him. They were kin. They actually, they actually had a meeting before the meeting. I did not know him, but for this purpose I came that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. And he goes on, he says, I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, you see, you see if, if God can send John to baptize with water, he can give him some more information as well. He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. I like this because apparently it might have been that the Spirit descended on others and didn't stay. Just a thought. Is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Okay, this is great stuff. Are you kidding me? So so let's look back first a little bit. Let's look back to the birth of these boys. Luke 1, 41. Elizabeth, the mother of John, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, have a meeting. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with Holy Spirit. 
That's a pretty good moment, right? Hey, hey, by the way, while we're at this, you need to know that there was a long period of silence from Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of activity of Holy Spirit that's recorded in Matthew and Luke. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Where's my Catholic friends? You, you know that one, right? Come on. Come on. Hey, guys, it's okay to say that. <laughs> and why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ear, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Meaning... The baby had a witness and gave the witness to mama. <laughs> so, okay, get this now. I don't think John remembered that. God has now quickened him. You know that word quickened? It means to make alive. It means to wake up. Wake up, O oh sleeper, and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It means he quickened him. He said, John, I got something to show you. And here comes Jesus. And John said, you understand that everybody just saw a man coming. And John saw one on whom something unique is happening. I remember all the years I used to read and even preach this Bible without asking, wonder what that was about. Because now I read my Bible and I'm like, I want some of that. How many of you know a prophet, know an actual prophet? Raise your hand if you know a prophet. Oh, come on, get, get them up high. But don't be ashamed of your prophets. Okay, that's some, but not enough. How many of y'all know Kim? Kim Moss. Okay, now you know, more of you know a prophet. Um, by the way, Kim's coming. First weekend of January. Help us get started on the new year. Um, prophets are people to whom God gives revelation. In a way that, listen, everybody can prophesy, but not everybody's a prophet. And by the way, you're best if you don't claim to be a prophet. Let other people tell you you're a prophet. Let the Spirit bear witness of you. Let the works that you do bear witness of you. Let what comes out of you testify about you. But this is really important because the prophets have been testifying. And I've said this before, but I'm going to keep pressing this till people really get this. Hallelujah. Or until I lose it. The prophets cannot prophesy in just a vacuum. The prophets prophesy out of information and revelation. Information comes from the prophets that came before them, which also came to those prophets as revelation, but once it's passed on, it comes to you as information. 
What you want to happen is when you're looking at the prophetic word for it to be illuminated and then for fresh revelation to come into your life. The prophets had to be schooled in the word because no prophet could prophesy without the prior word. The training of a prophet was the word of God. The training of a prophet is not alphabet soup. The the training of a prophet is not an explosion of letters that formed a word. The training of a prophet is searching scripture. And so I always want to say, this is, by the way, one of of the reasons, one of my favorite prophets is Kim. Because when Kim comes, oh, she brings information with illumination that comes out as a revelation. All right, are you kidding? This is the stuff. Now I'm telling you, John says, I saw the spirit. That was a moment of revelation. And what he was saying was, he was not saying he had never met Jesus. He was saying he had never seen him before like this. And so he has, so he had some, he had some information that, that got illuminated, but he had a revelation that we read where he says, I didn't know him, but he who sent me said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is the one who baptizes with Holy Spirit. Now, hang with me. We're going to go a little fast. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, he had this in an actual word in Scripture. As well as he had this as a word quickened by God inside of him. Where God said, hey, John, you're going to be the one that sees it. All the other prophets had seen him far off. And John saw him face to face. (laughs) All the other prophets had seen him in the distance coming through a glass darkly. And John says, there he is, the lamb. The one who will actually finally put an end to our need for lambs. This is the lamb who takes away the sin. This is not a promissory note. This is a cancellation of debt. This is the one. But John, he listen, I want you to know that he had this by scripture. If you go with me into the prophets and if you go into the prophet Isaiah, there it is in chapter 11. The first, the first chapters of, of, of Isaiah read like a gospel, not like a prophecy. They read like gospel. And, and you read in there, Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Okay, you got to get this. And a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. Who is Jesse? David's father. Who is David. David's the anointed king, right? And David is the king who had a promise. But what happened is, all appearances of the promise had died. That's what a stump is. A stump is a dead, the dead remains of a tree. And the prophet said, one day, Jesse's stump is going to sprout. Now, he says, when he does, 
He'll bear, he'll bear fruit. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but let's look at this. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Rest on who? The shoot from Jesse's stump. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. In other words, he says, let me tell you how you will find him. You want to find him, you have to look for the one upon whom is the spirit of the Lord in wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord, or if you will, the sevenfold spirit of God. For those of you who have ears to hear and echoes to understand your scriptures. So he's literally saying, see, you understand, he's got a word. So John's looking, 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 looking. What will he find? A shoot from the stump of Jesse. What will he find? The spirit is on him. And then the Lord quickens it inside of him and says, here's how you're going to see it. Just like a dove. Going to come and rest. A place of resting for my presence. An abode for me in this earth. One of royal lineage. <laughs> well, it was, after all, what was promised. And I'm running out of time, so I have to go fast here. I've, already, I've been going fast, haven't I? Second Samuel 7. You see, because all this stuff, where do we find him? Well, we were on Jesse's shoot. You have Jesse, David comes forth from Jesse. David becomes the king of Israel. And the prophet prophesies over David and says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I'll raise up an offspring after you. A shoot, a righteous branch. Who shall come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom and he'll build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. And now here's where you get a little mixed up in your hearing because if you can't hear a double entendre, you'll miss it. It's really hard for literal people to read their Bible. The Bible's for poets. <laughs> and prophets. <laughs> Here's what happens. When he commits iniquity, I'll discipline him with the rods of men, with the stripes of the son of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. Now you're reading that, and those of you who are all literal are saying, Jesus? And your religion is getting wrecked. My steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul. Now follow me. Before David had an anointing of the Spirit, Saul had an anointing of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God rushed on him exactly the same as it would on David. He literally had the same anointing as David had. But his sin and his unbelief and his presumption caused God to say... I'm removing it. 
But God comes to David in the prophet and says, listen, even if you sin or your son sins or your son's son sins, I'm not taking this away. My steadfast love will accomplish this. God swore an oath over David. <laughs> oh, I hoped I lived to be a hundred so I can keep doing this. And David's got some stuff. I'm telling you what, you talk about somebody who, who gets some revelation that's too big for them. It's too big. I mean, you do know that this is long before David falls into murder and adultery. David had a chance himself to see the promise of God tested. And David wrote a psalm himself, crying out to God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I'm like, when I read that psalm, I'm like, David, you already got a promise. You got money in the bank. But you see, a man with a promise still gets convicted when he violates the conditions of God's call on his life. And he still knows he's got to get sorted out. And it still puts the fear of the Lord in you. As I took it away from Saul, whom I put away from before you, and your house and your kingdom will be made sure forever, and your throne shall be established forever. Now listen, David's got a promise that's a weird promise. Are you ready for it? Number one, your throne is going to last forever. Number two, your son will be my son. Did you see it in there? I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. And David meditates on these and out of these comes Psalm 2 and Psalm 110. And out of this comes all the context for the, for the thing we're preaching today. Because after all this stuff happens, all we want to do is we want to find him. When we found him, what have we got? We got a man that the Spirit does not depart from. We've got a royal man. And we got a man that we can identify him on these bases. So listen, how'd they find Jesus? By the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of revelation on them and the Spirit of holy presence on him. And then don't miss what his mission is because all four gospels and the book of Acts give us the mission statement of the Christ. And here it is, to baptize with the Holy Spirit. In other words, here's what he will do. He will take what is given to him and he will make you awash in the Holy Spirit. He will make you absolutely awash in Holy Spirit. Why? 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 Because the Father intends for every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue to find Jesus. And how will they find him? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have found the Messiah. 
And this is why we want you to be able to say, all of us to be able to say, I'm the proof of God's existence. I'm the manifestation of his love. Not with arrogance, just the witness inside yourself of confidence. This is why you're here to demonstrate, to manifest, to release, to make known this great God to everyone everywhere. And so listen, nowadays, when people say, we have, I found Jesus, where did you find him? Come and see. And you come and say, this one told me. Tell him. Or they'll say, this one blessed me. I like it sometimes. I like it in the South when uneducated people will talk about somebody and they'll say, well, that preacher down there, down there at the Baptist church, he saved me. <laughs> you know, and if you're all religious, you'll go, oh, no, 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 no. No, the dude's got it right. <laughs> you were the womb in which that one was born again. Because Christ was manifested in you unto him. How do they find Jesus? Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do they find Jesus? He's in your life. He's in your love. He's in your hands. He's in your feet. He's in your words. Oh, he's in your sleeping and your waking. He's in your dreams and your prophecies. He's in your visions. And you see him land on them. And you say, the Lord is on you. Yeah. Old crazy Lonnie Frisbee would go, I see the Holy Spirit on this one. And they would start cussing at him. And the next thing you know, they would be on the ground weeping and crying their way to Jesus. Why not me? Why not you? Why not now? Why not in the streets? Why not in our places of work? Don't be afraid, church. Don't be afraid. Listen, nothing can stop this gospel. Pagan Rome couldn't stop it, and secular America can't stop it. Nothing can stop the power of this king who is and was and is to come, who is here and is manifest among us and lives in us and is for us. The next day again. John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold the Lamb of God. Hey, didn't he already say that? The message doesn't change. The two disciples heard him say this and they said, we're going with him. <laughs> they followed Jesus. Hey, listen, by the way, that's what you're asking people to do. Come follow Jesus with me. Just come follow him. <laughs> and Jesus turned and saw, saw them follow him and he said, Can I, let me say it a better way. What do you want? <laughs> Sounds too religious when I say, what are you seeking? What do you want? Because listen, somebody starts following, you're like, wait, what do you want? <laughs> and they said to him, Rabbi, we're going with you. Where are you staying? <laughs> he said, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day 
For it was about the 10th hour. It's getting late in the afternoon. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas. I want you to know something that happens to every person who finds him. Every person who authentically finds this Jesus gets their identity completely changed. <laughs> Come and see. Listen, church, this is what it means to preach good news. And this is what you're called to preach, good news. And I'm almost done, and I had plenty of time. But one more thing I want to bless you with before we go. I've already said it, but let me say it another way. How can we find Jesus today? Paul writes to the Romans, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now listen, just real quickly. When I was in college, we used this phrase, in the flesh, in the spirit, to talk about a person's behavior. Paul uses it to talk about their identity. We need to get it sorted out. So we would see somebody acting badly and we would say he's in the flesh. That's not what the Bible was saying. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now listen, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, it does not say you are in, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact you're behaving yourself. No. In the flesh and in the spirit is your identity. In the flesh is who you are without him. It specifically meant, a lot of times, their Jewishness. In the spirit is who you are with him. And now what's being said here is that the believers in Christ are identified exactly the same way as they identified Jesus. I saw the Spirit on him. <laughs> oh. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit dwells in you. And then he says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. This is why I had a lot of trouble with the distinction between being filled with the Spirit and being baptized with the Spirit. I had a lot of trouble with that. 
because I had people coming to me because I didn't speak in tongues and I didn't have a release of the gifts of the Spirit in my life. And they would say to me, you haven't received the Holy Spirit. Oh, you betcha I had because he was in me. He was dwelling in me and he had changed me. Not only did I have him, he had me. And if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. And if you don't have the Spirit living in you this morning, you need to call upon his name and get your identity changed. And he wants to do it. He'll forgive your sins. He'll give you eternal life. And he will put his Spirit within you. And that's called salvation. That's called finding Jesus and then being someone in whom people can find Jesus. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. He doesn't give life to your mortal body because you are immortal. He gives life to your mortal body because your resurrection is based on the resurrected one living in you. The shoot from the stem of Jesse is in you. Can you get this? Come alive, church.